our church is is kind of an interesting season. If you don't know, our pastor Obed and his family uh, are from England, and uh, they found out at the beginning of this year that they had to go back and figure out some stuff with their visa um, to stay in the U.S. So they're um, they're back there right now. They got approved for their visa a few weeks ago, so we're praising God for that. Um, but the the logistics of them getting uh, an interview with a consulate in London has been pretty tricky with COVID. So we're we're just lifting them up in prayer and asking that the Lord would open a door for them to, to get back here as as soon as he uh, as soon as possible. Uh, but in the meantime, we have some. Uh, guests that are going to be joining us each week and and preaching God's word um, with us. So this morning we are, um, we're honored to have Jeremy Aya. Such a cool name. I hardly ever know how to pronounce it, but uh, he's going to be preaching. Uh, He's, he's on our uh, kind of board of directors here for the church and has been a long time kind of supporter of our church and, um, and Obed and his family. So he works with our, our kind of sending um, organization, denominational organization. So he's going to be preaching the word of God. So um, I wanted to pray for, for Obed and his family and pray for Jeremy as he comes to share God's word with us today. So would you pray with me? God, we're thankful for the ability to gather um, as your people in your name and to worship you through song and through uh, prayer and through your word. Uh, Lord, would you find our worship uh, pleasing to you this morning? Lord, as we open up your word, I pray that um, you would do with it what you would uh, do in our hearts, in our lives. Would you shape us and form us into your likeness? And Jesus, I pray that... um, you would call us closer to um, to yourself this morning um, as we open your word. I pray that you'd bless Jeremy as he preaches. Give him all that he needs. Um, and give us ears to hear. And Lord, we pray for our pastor Obed um, and his family as they're, um, they're in England and hoping to get back here as soon as possible. We pray that you would do a work um, in the all the logistics that need to happen for them to get back here. I pray that you would um, open doors that seem impossible to open, Lord, but I pray that you would do a miracle and uh, you bring them back here quickly and safely in your name. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. All right, everybody, let's give uh, <laughs> give Jerry a hand. Of, yeah, I apologize for the Batman mask. My kids are big fans of that, so it's been fun to to have that around. And so I'm so excited to join you guys. As Dan was saying, I've been a part of the uh, King's Cross uh, Church family from a distance, just supporting. And, and as Dan was saying, I worked with the Send Network. Always have to enunciate the D very clearly. Send, not Sin Network. <laughs> but the idea is to plant churches and, and share the hope of Jesus with people and to... Uh, start holistic mercy and compassion ministries and to raise up churches here that can not only fill our area that but we can be a part of the movement around the world so it's it's really fun to see what god is doing through king's cross and as dan was saying i remember i had just started i moved to san diego in 2010 with my wife and uh we were part of church planning ourselves and we live in mission valley now so it's not not too far away 
And I can remember I had just started with North American Mission Board as a staff member, and I was serving as a church planner for six years before that point. And we sat down with Obed at the uh, Hazard Center Starbucks. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that that place over there. And when he was first thinking about maybe San Diego, the area is just where God is calling. So um, at that point, and, and Obed and I have frequently referenced that and saying from that situation, from where we sat to where things are now, what a praise for God and what he's doing and for all of you coming together. And it's important to keep that in perspective when you have challenges and difficulties, right? Because it's easy to get discouraged at any one moment, but if we can see the big picture for what God is doing, um, it can be an, a, great, a great encouragement for us. And as Galatians 6, 9 says, it's my church planning life verse. It says, let us not become weary in doing good because we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we don't give up. That last part is probably one of the hardest ones, right? If we don't give up, that's the, the hard uh, caveat for that condition. But continuing the book of Acts today, and I, I know I was... I preached here several months ago, right at the beginning of this series and jumping back in now, I know you are seeing this, the genesis of, of the church as we know it today. So it's really exciting to, to look at and, and to learn from. And um, this week, uh, the vice president of our uh, SEND network is called, uh, his name is Dehadi Lewis. He's a pastor in Atlanta, an amazing guy. And uh, one of the things that he said is, is people have mentioned to him about the uncertainty, the challenges that the church faces today and um, almost in the sense of saying, hey, this is unprecedented. You know, this is such a challenge. This is so hard for churches to deal with. And he had some great perspective in the sense of saying, when you read the book of Acts, there's there's a lot of challenge that they're facing in that time. It is constant chaos. And as we've this portion of Acts where you are now in Acts 9, I know we've just seen one of the main disruptors for the early church to go through this dramatic transformation. And uh, I always think it's so funny how people were so reluctant to meet with Saul who who would become Paul because they're like, dude, he's baiting us. <laughs> you know, the second he does this and s- some SWAT guys are gonna show up and we're all gonna get arrested. We're not gonna, don't let him in. And Barnabas, what Barnabas was the guy that had to to be that gateway to even pursue this. And it's, it's so interesting though, as you, as you read Acts, there's so much going on. And then this week, we're looking at a really short, short section of scripture, Acts uh, chapter nine, verses thirty-two through forty-two, and it's 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 almost like if we're reading the uh, the whole you know narrative of this of this book, um, there's certain points that seem really important, and then there's maybe forgettable sp- sections, right? If we're honest, <laughs> there's people that. You know, there's the main, if you think about it like a movie, there's the main characters and there's really important things that they do in their life. And then there's the supporting cast. And then there's times when the main character goes to Starbucks, get some coffee. And that's, you don't remember that portion of the text. And, but, but what we're going to be looking at today, it seems like it's just this kind of throwaway section of scripture, but some really powerful things happen. And, and this is what, what I would encourage you to do is, especially as you read the book of Acts, and one of the things that we're gonna look today, because in any time you're reading narrative in scripture, something that's very helpful, when it seems like, because a lot of the, the New Testament is written more of a imperative sense where it tells you, hey, do this, do this, don't do this. You know, and it says, hey, here's who God is, and especially like Ephesians or Romans. And when you read narratives like this, it can seem a little confusing. Like, why did why is this here? You know, Luke, who was a, a medical doctor, one of the companions of Paul, wrote a lot of these things down. It's like, why, of all the stuff that could have been written, why is this here? And something that's helpful for us, I find, is to look at the individual people and their stories, and to really dig in and and, and think about that, and 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 
try to see the story through their eyes and through their life experiences. So today as we read this, I, I, what I would encourage you to do is read this. I'm going to read it out loud. Feel free to follow along. I'm reading from the New International Version. But try to think about it from if you put yourself in these people's lives, in these happenings in their life. And uh, as we move forward with some principles, that's primarily what we're going to do to to gain some takeaways for us today. So let's let's read this in Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through 42. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. So Lydda, for those of you who aren't familiar with, uh, you know, first century geography in the Middle East is just a little bit north of of Jerusalem. And so Peter was the main guy, you know, he's kind of the dude, right, in in, uh, the church in Jerusalem and got, you've got the original 12 apostles or 11 plus, you know, we added another guy a little later on. But Peter is is the, the main leader in this. He's you know, if you're a sports guy, he's your franchise player, okay, right? He's the first guy to be picked. We're like, okay, if Peter's here, things are going well. So now he's continuing his ministry just a little north in Jerusalem. But what we're noticing in Acts at this point is a, is a shift is taking place as pretty soon Paul is going to become the main one that's that seems to be on the, the bleeding edge of ministry here. But Peter went north of Jerusalem, his home base, and he's continuing this ministry. And remember, this is in the context of great persecution that has just taken place. So one of the things that happened, if you look at Acts, it's it's actually kind of interesting because the, the name apostle in the original language is what that means is sent out ones. Okay, that's that's what it talks about. And for a lot of Acts, they were kind of centered. <laughs> they weren't sent out. And once again, I am not being a critic of you know, a guy like Peter, I'm going to trust his leadership making, I'm not going to question our, a lot of our pastors today, let alone for me to go back in time and tell tell Peter how he needed to do his ministry. But what I'm saying is for, in the first portion of Acts, they're kind of centered together in Jerusalem. This persecution happens and they're sent out everywhere because of what happened with the death of Stephen. And now they're taking the message everywhere. So probably these people in Lydda, Maybe they heard about Jesus before, but more than likely it's because of these recent events. And Paul, he's saying, hey, I need to go out and help these people to be solidified. I'm, I'm going to go and, and strengthen the churches there. So he's going to Lydda. In verse 33, it says this, There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Then in verse 36, it says this, in Joppa. So Joppa is just a little bit west of that, kind of on the coast right over there, um, just north and west of Jerusalem. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. I love that tagline, right? I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this more, but something that... It was funny. I read. I read, actually was reading Acts, and I read this passage, and this stuck out to me even before Obed had talked to me about preaching here. And I always love it when that happens, right? <laughs> so, but but it's funny. Like if you could boil down your life, what would people say about you? What a cool thing for somebody to say about Tabitha or Dorcas. You know, she uh, she was always doing good and helping the poor. Sounds like an amazing lady. We'll, we'll, we'll learn more about her in a second. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed 
in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Once again, Peter, the franchise guy, you know, they're thinking he's he's in, uh, we're, they're in Joppa, they know this has happened to Tabitha, they know Peter is nearby in Lydda. They're like, you got to go get him. He's the guy, you know, go find him. This is a, what a great opportunity this is. So they urged him, come at once. And Peter, you know, verse 39, Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was, while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. She, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. And that'll lead us into the next week's session for you guys. But as I said, what I want to do is take a moment to look at some of these major figures in this story and draw out some principles that, that can help us today. So the first couple of people I want to look at are Aeneas, Aeneas and those that were mourning Tabitha and, you know, obviously Tabitha herself, but she's passed away at this moment, so she can't take a lot of action. Uh, but the first thing for us that for us that what we can do what we can take away from this is to find hope and victory in the good news of jesus and and dan i believe you guys were you guys able to put some of these points on the website yes yeah, so they should be there you know i i know i've uh, been a christian since i was 11 years old I, i've been in church a, a long time and i know the end of the day, if you can just remember a few sentences from this talk, that would be awesome. So that's that's one of the sentences for this section is to find hope and victory in the good news of Jesus. And looking at these couple of these figures, you know, we, we really don't have a lot of information. As I said, 10 verses in the, the, the wealth of Scripture, that's a pretty sm small slice that we can see. And for Aeneas, you know, there's not much. What we know is he lived in Lydda and he had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Now, what I love about details like this is because a guy like Luke's, because once again, you're like, why is this here? Why, why do we need to know this? But for a medical doctor like Luke, what he is letting us know is that this is not the traveling guy that gets healed at every village where Peter goes. OK, right. You know, sometimes that's just the reality of the world that we live in. We live in a time where there's some people that try to manufacture the sensational stuff and like i said i'm not judging anybody i'm not giving any names but what uh, what luke is saying here is the author of acts is this guy really was sick and while he wouldn't fake eight years of sickness just so maybe peter would be able to come by okay this guy had been living with shame because sadly in those times um, if you had a, an injury like that or a, an illness or a malady like that Sometimes people would just make assumptions that God was punishing you for something. So he would have lived with that and felt that for a long time. So Luke's like, this dude is not just pretending. He doesn't have a lot of hope in these days. And so for Peter to come, that is his divine moment. And while we don't know all the details from what, and I think this is one of the important things, about, especially about passages like this, is to look at similar passages that help us to learn more. So if you guys remember, like 
Jesus had a similar action with another paralytic. And what's so cool is how Peter, I, I would imagine for him, because remember this is when Peter first started his ministry, he wasn't the rock star that we know him as he is in Acts. Okay, people were like, Jesus, why did you pick this dude? Really, of all the guys, of all the leaders, why did you pick just this untrained, regular fisherman? But Peter saw Jesus raise this paralytic from the dead, and so, but and Aeneas, but before, and so now he has this opportunity to be a part of this. And but Aeneas, he didn't have any other hope. This is it. And for Tabitha, uh, just like Aeneas, um, we, we don't have a lot of information, but what we do know about her, like I mentioned, she, she lived in Joppa, always doing good, doing good to help the poor, and she died. And she was missed greatly by those she served. And it's clear that that young church was, was really affected by this. We don't know all the, the role that she played, but clearly she, to, to have that designation, uh, that does not come lightly in Scripture. So, so Luke is letting us know this lady was legit, okay? She was awesome. You know, she was getting stuff done. She was blessed. She's always doing good and always helping the poor. And honestly, I'm not sure what, you know, if you're if you're a follower of Christ, I'm not sure what your uh, views are, how you, uh, as far as and maybe in the economy of serving, you know, sometimes what happens is we elevate certain roles and we put other things low. And if you're not a Christian, um, maybe you maybe you have your own views about that as well. But what in the book of Acts, serving the poor was very, very, very important. And we see this. It's one of the, the things that Paul reinforces throughout his ministry. And, and so it's not just like that Tabitha couldn't do anything else. But this is she is doing a very, very important work of the ministry. And, and so these people in the church are, are, are clinging to this hope. That, that God could come and do, th- do something in, in, in this situation through Peter. And what I feel like we can learn from with this, I, I should say, has anybody over the last six or seven months faced a situation or a time where it's put you at the end of your rope? Have you? Probably so. Okay, I, I feel like I say that with sarcasm. I was telling Dan, I'm glad I can have my mask off because... I'm a very sarcastic person at times, so you would not understand half of what I'm saying if you couldn't see my face. But but anyway, like, you know, with, the, of course, this has been a crazy time for us, right? No, nobody could have ever predicted this. Like, you just think about any industry, you know, whether it, like I said, I'm, I'm a business guy at heart, so I like to follow the stock market. All these companies, they had all these plans of what was going to happen in 2020. It's going to be this year, we're going to accomplish this, and it all got blown up. You know, so all of us, as a whole, we have faced great uncertainty and a few things that, that come to mind. Um, one, as I said, whether it's job insecurity, uh, distance relationships, uncertainty in the future, these are big things where just like Aeneas and Tabitha, what we've learned is that we aren't in control of our life like we thought we were. Okay, you know, That's what maybe the lesson, a byproduct of this time is we, we are not in the driver's seat in this season and whatever your view is about this time that's still something that has become very very clear and it's 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 been a humbling season for for us as a people but so other things that we face health issues maybe loss of loved ones perhaps right related to COVID or unrelated all of us have gone through those times where you've lost someone or maybe you faced a challenging situation and and that that brings you to the end and in my family you know I don't want don't have time to go into details today, but especially for, for a child 
or someone that is very dear to you, it is a powerless situation when you can't do anything to help someone. Because as, as a guy, what I think if, if I could just go work hard enough, if I could just go travel far enough, whatever it is, I would do that to help somebody. And if you've ever been in that situation with somebody that you love, that you want to help, you would do anything and there's nothing you can do, it's powerless. It's powerless. It's a horrible situation to be in. Another thing in this time that I've seen uh, greatly is just a sin struggle that we have faced. I feel like Satan, uh, if you had anything that was sort of hiding out in your closet of your life, it has come out with a roar in this time. And it's just, no, one, you're not alone. <laughs> because as a, as a guy that uh, helps to serve churches and as serves at my own church, it's, it's been a consistent theme. So, uh, but in those moments when we have a struggle with sin, if you're a follower of Christ, you maybe have a little perspective. If you don't know Jesus, maybe this has just been, you've just come to say, hey, I'm just always going to struggle with this. Hopefully it won't blow up big in my face, but I'm always going to have an issue with this. Whatever it is, we all know that we need hope and victory. And that's what Jesus offers us. And, and we, can, we can have hope because of God's character and who he is. He, he is dependable. He is trustworthy. He is the perfect father. And I know some of you maybe have not have a, had a great relationship with your father. It may even be hard for you to think about a healthy situation for a father. But God is the perfect father. I just, I say, I probably, it's funny, after I've been preaching now since I was 17, so a little over 21 years, just turned 38. And it's funny how many times I say the same thing. And, and also when you see, like there's certain phrases like, why do I keep saying that? And I'm, I'm like, because it's important. And it doesn't matter if people, like sometimes as a communicator, you want to think about new ways to say the same thing. So people will think, wow, Jeremy, that was great. Realistically, I don't care what you think about me. I want you to know that God is a good father and that he loves you. And he knows what you need even before you ask. Because that, that's what's important. So we go around our life, and I feel like in my prayer life, what I do is I try to go to God and I try to do this ca life calculus and figure out how I'm going to make this situ situation work. And the Lord says, Jeremy, I love you, but are you done yet? Because I want to help you. And it does, you don't have to understand all the details. You just got to follow me and do what's right. Like, kind of like Tabitha, doing good, loving people, serving people. If you'll do those things, I will put you in the right spot. And in the interim, when it seems like stuff's going crazy, you can trust me because I'm good. But it is a question, like when we face major illnesses, it's really hard. And something, a good question to ask in this passage is why does, not, why does God not heal every time? Right. I mean, if you have faced uh, an illness or had a loved one face that and obviously you've, you've probably had someone pass away close to you at some point, you wonder from a theological standpoint, even why does God not heal every time? And I have I have a friend that serves on our sin network team. He was here in San Diego. He just moved to uh, Boise, Idaho he and his family. He's got, uh, I guess, three kids now. One's getting ready to start college and he was just diagnosed with stage four cancer in his in his in his lymph nodes so he's really just has a very short time probably like six months uh to be able to live so we're praying for his name is west coddington if you want to want to pray for him but um you know there's not a better guy than west okay he loves jesus loves the lord just like that tagline for tabitha you could probably write a tagline for what he'd be embarrassed for me to, to hear me say that but you don't have a better guy than west and so you wonder, we're praying for him to be healed, but at the same time, we know that if he's not healed, God is still good. But you wonder, why is that? And, and, and what, I, what I have found 
it's helpful for us to nail down these major theological issues and questions like this when we're not in the chaos when we're it that's an anchor that can hold us so when we are in the spin cycle we can lean on the Lord and we can trust in him and but what we have to realize and, and what I comfort myself with this even when I'm it doesn't mean it hurts any less or it's any less painful or challenging you know when we go through those seasons but what we can know is that God does heal everything in his time when we die and we go to be with him in heaven he will do that that's when the ultimate healing takes place and as I I mentioned with with Lazarus we all know about him I mean he's like the first dude died and rose again uh, in Jesus's ministry uh, very famous guy for that but Lazarus died after that eventually right I mean he he died eventually and Paul I, I think about Paul Paul was a guy who healed people I mean that God used him to heal people but there what we what he records is there was a thorn in his side we don't know exactly what it was but maybe some kind of physical weakness some challenge that he faced and so you know and i think about paul it, it's maybe a little embarrassing for him to be a guy who heals people and to have something where he cannot heal himself you want to talk about a question god's using you to heal everybody and you can't heal this thing that you're facing but Paul learned what, what the Lord, he tried three times what did the Lord say, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. So it's, it's helpful for us to know that. And the other thing I would say, there's a couple of things that will really help you to process a situation like that in a healthy way. The first is Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is, it is such a powerful attitude uh, for us to have as a follower of Jesus. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to be a, be a thankful person, and but knowing that it, it communicates, that's a major value for the follow, for followers of Jesus and, and Jesus himself, and it helps me to know that the gospel is real, because when I'm thankful, I have such a better attitude. But from what, what I mean is, when I was born, God didn't say, Jeremy, you have, you're going to have 90 years. You're going to be able to do blah, blah, blah. I, every day is a gift. Every moment, every second is a gift. And what we as people, we just take that for granted. And it's whether it's right or wrong. And I know I, I want to see people, as I said, for my, my friend Wes, a dear friend, a, to see, to know that his wife is not going to have her for her husband and their kids are not going to be able to relate to their dad. That's That hurts. It's really, really hard. It's just We just found out about it. It's going get, to get harder as we move forward. But but what I know is is to be thankful for the for the man that Wes is. And for for all the time that all the ways that God has used him, and and all all of this is to say in Christ, we have hope, and we have hope when if we are facing a challenging situation and we pray and God moves and He works in a powerful way, we can we give thanks and we also have peace knowing that He has calmed the storm. We also can have hope in Jesus when He does not heal us in the short run. We have hope. We have peace in Jesus when that thing that we feared happens. And we know because in, in eternity, God is going to do the right thing. And our life here on earth is so short. We see life through the little, a little hole in the fence, you know, a little, little knocked. God sees the whole history parade. And we have this little sliver and we get concerned about this one little sliver. And God says, I, I, want, I'm, I have plans for you for all eternity. And I'm going to do right by you. But you got to trust me. And that's the hope that we can have in Christ. Also, we have victory in Christ, as we said. And one of my favorite, another life verse I have is 
Romans 8, 37, it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And that, that verse, what that means is we have exceeding victory. Because more than conquerors, it's like, what does that even mean? But it, it means exceeding victory. It's from where Nike basically gets Nike, you know, their, their, their whole company is based off of winning, right? I mean, you don't, that's why they don't go to the guy who got second place and say, hey, can you be our spokesman? I mean, that doesn't happen. They interview the guy who, or the lady who won the championship. So Nike, they want to be known about winning. And that's that's and so that that literally it comes from the Greek word that we're talking about here, where it says more than conqueror. So now when you when I'm wearing my Nikes, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. You know, you guys can remember that. I'm sure that's what Nike means by it, right? But uh, probably not. But anyway, you know this 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 victory is ours in Christ, and it's not about what you do, but it's about what Jesus has already done for you. And another uh, New Testament church that that I was uh, familiar with. Uh, you know, we've been we've been looking at is in Revelation. And I don't know about you, but people in my home church have been saying, hey, Jeremy, we'd like to look at Revelation during this time because of all that's going on. It's kind of crazy. So we took some time to look at this and we looked at the seven churches there and in uh, in Revelation two through three and a consistent theme that it says it says to those who overcome there is this great reward that awaits them and honestly especially when I was a kid and I would read about that in Revelation or I look at what people are going through in Acts and I'm like if I was put in that situation I'm not sure what I'm gonna do you know that's really hard and especially when you read in Revelation what those people face even in verses or in chapters two through three. It, you don't, it doesn't take a lot of uh, interpretation. Those are real churches and real places that are in modern-day Turkey. And, you know, it's, he's giving them encouragement. I'm like, I don't know how I would respond. I'm not sure if I would be able to overcome. And, and what I learned, though, and it reminds us, in these, whatever your situation is, if you were there and you're like, I don't know, Jeremy, if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to overcome. I don't know if I'm going to make it. What I want to remind you to do is do what Aeneas did. Do what the Tabitha's friends did and say, we can't do it, but the Lord can. And Lord, we want to rely on your victory and just be honest with God and say, Lord, I, don't, I can't do this on my own. I need you. And that's what we got to learn from their perspective to find hope and victory in Jesus and stop acting that we've got it figured out, that we know what we're doing. And whether it's in your marriage with your children, with your job, with uncertainty. Honestly, I can't tell you how many people have I have talked with that have had anxiety, just like anxiety for life, just to kind of get out of bed and go through life. This time has been hard. And we, we need to rely on others. We need to have, you know, counseling, therapy. All those things are great, but it all starts with us saying, I can't do it, but Jesus can the second thing, the second group of people that I want to take some time to look at and is, is Peter and Tabitha and sort of the way that they live. And the second principle for us is to share Jesus' hope and victory through word and deed. So uh, taking some time, and basically the idea is once you have known this hope and victory, you don't just go back to doing the same stuff that you did. You think, I want to live in a different way. I want to help people. And that's what we see. But honestly, kind of like what I was talking about, Peter and Tabitha are on two different ends of the spectrum. And I, I wonder, maybe get a show of hands. I'm going to date myself a little bit. But how many of you guys used to uh, collect baseball cards? Anything like that? Baseball cards? Okay. I used to love to collect baseball cards. I still have a bunch of them. I joked that that's my, my kid's college fund is the baseball cards. So hopefully uh, 
they're uh, they're still valuable. They're in my parents' attic right now. I've been thinking lately how I can get them back to, to San Diego. My parents live in Texas. So anyway, you know, getting baseball cards, and I can remember just the euphoria of when you got that pack and you rip it open because I was not – some people would just keep the pack like as a collector's eye. I'm, like, I'm going to open it up and see what's in there. So you open it up, and you're thumbing through those cards, and you're just thinking, am I going to get one of the most valuable cards? And it's just like, you know, literally it's probably like the same, you know – uh, serotonins like the runner's high is baseball card high just looking at those cards and it only lasts like 15 seconds because I'm going so fast you're looking at it and and I think if you think about this you know Peter and Tabitha if you got the Peter trading card as I said you would be stoked okay if you got the Tabitha trading card you're like does she even play <laughs> is she I don't know who Tabitha is you know just just being honest from the giftedness spectrum Peter is very, very well known. Tabitha is not, okay? And I, I'm a guy that, I'm with Tabitha, okay? Nobody knows who Jeremy is, that's okay. I know my lane, that's where it is. You got Peter, really important car that everybody wants. He, his name is on the packaging. Tabitha, you're like, is she even in the league? You know, from that standpoint. And so, what? what and, but you think about Peter, there's stuff that is very intimidating about what he does. Like I said, he's Peter. He's like the, one of the early church fathers, right? Some other things, about him he's a primary source for mark's gospel i don't care who you know i talk with people today i'm like dude you didn't write bible okay you're not that big a deal like peter is a big deal he is a very humble guy but where he went people are like that's peter that's a special guy he's, he's unique he's his leadership in the early church not just for jerusalem but the big c church and he was used in a really special powerful way so peter is intimidating intimidating but tabitha as, as we mentioned earlier, she's a regular person that didn't have a lot of these special gifts. And what did she do? She was always doing good. She was always helping the poor. And when I look at Tabitha, what's so cool about the Tabithas and why God often uses Tabithas to do amazing, powerful things, and the, the, the viral nature of the Tabithas is because when we think about Tabitha, what I think is I can do that. I can do good and I can help people that are in need. And that's that's the genius behind the gospel is because it empowers regular people and God uses them to do amazing things. So what I, what I would encourage you to, to understand, it's not so important where you fit on the giftedness spectrum, okay? Like I said, you're probably somewhere between a Tabitha and a Peter. Or, like I was for a lot of my life, maybe you were not even thinking about that. I, as a, as a my natural tendency is to not think about how I can serve. My, my, my spectrum I'm looking at is how I can use my giftedness to bless myself. Because that's what our culture, our world teaches us. What the Bible says is the gifts that you have are from the Lord, that He gave you those things to bless other people. What our culture says is the gifts that you have are used to bless yourself, to make your life better, to elevate yourself above other people. And it's great to have giftedness, but if you go about it just lifting yourself up, it is a meaningless, empty path. Don't, don't go down that path. So let's find yourself on the giftedness spectrum and just know wherever you are, it's not so important about what your gifts are, but that you use it and you honor God with those things. And you think, because I have hope and victory in Jesus, I want to share this with other people. And, and what, what, what I love to, to think about as well, it's not even about how much time you spend with someone or how significant the act is to you that you do, God can still do amazing 
powerful things. And the way I think about it, there's either there's two categories. We've got people that cause collateral damage, and there's people who are what I, I like to refer to as trees of life. And 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 the people that I think for that cause collateral damage is this. It's it's like uh, you know sometimes. There's people that everywhere they go, they're just causing issues or some chaos and they're just kind of wearing you down. And you all know, because what happens is if they text you, if they call you, be like if a tree of life calls you, somebody that blesses you, you answer that call, right? You get excited. If the collateral damage people call you, you're probably busy at that moment. Even if you're streaming some Netflix stuff, you're just like, I need to, I don't know what's going to happen. Sorry, bud. Sorry, gal. Talk to you later. So, because here's, here's the reality about the nature of sin that we're not aware of. We, the, the damage that sin causes is not directly related to the severity of that sin. And what I mean by that is, it's just like if you're driving and you're not paying attention, we all know it's a bad idea to get behind the wheel and to text and drive, okay? That's not, that's not a debatable thing. We all know that's a bad idea. But the, the truth is, the majority of us have probably engaged in some manner of distracted driving. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I have done that before. It's bad. It's wrong. I have done that before. Now, I know some, some people that have done that and their distractedness while driving has actually killed someone or injured someone very severely. Now, all of us, we think about it and we can say, oh, that's horrible. Who would ever do that? It's like, bro, you know that you have been distracted while driving before. You are just blessed because that didn't happen to you because it's wrong to do that but even though it's just a little wrong thing sometimes the damage can be really really big or an offhand comment i heard a recording artist say once she's a christian she said she was in eighth grade some some boy that she cared about said that she had fat ankles the guy probably didn't even know what he was thinking said some stupid comment okay that's a dumb thing to say men that's a really dumb thing to say okay just gonna save you yeah, it's just like, go slap you behind the, behind the building over there for saying something like that. But this comment, this, this young girl at such a, an impressionable age by somebody that she cared about, and the guy probably forgot about it, she had body dysmorphia issues and dealt with bulimia for many, many years. And you just think, man, that's wrong. That is sad. And, and, and as like what, what I said, though, it's so easy to say, who, what guy would say that? But then it's like, Jeremy, have you ever said something without thinking about it? Yeah, I have. And so what, what the flip side of it, though, what the Lord calls us to be is a tree of life. Like I love Proverbs 1130. It says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. And while that is terrifying about sin and that speaks to the importance of why we shouldn't that's why somebody's like oh it's just a little white lie and somebody says i was only distracted driving for five seconds yeah but that person they paid dearly because of your sin and so in the same way though what's cool is god can you when you say lord i want to follow you i want my life to be about serving you i want the hope and victory that you've given me to be shared with others you don't even know what you're doing and god can bless other people you may just go to the cashier at the grocery store and you may just see that they look a little a little bit down and you may tell them hey thank you for what you're doing i i, I if you've ever how many of you how many of you have ever worked retail before raise your hands let's just say that people treat you like a human atm you know some people just feel like they can just hit the machine a couple times and they'll get some more money or they'll get a better deal and and so what i would encourage you i've worked retail i would encourage you be nice to your retail people 
Okay, be nice to them. Don't be a jerk. It's not their fault. Okay, they can't make anything change. They they can't fix the product for you. They're just trying to sell the stuff, man. They're just trying to do a good job. Don't be a jerk to them, because it's hard. But if you you can bless them, you can have a big impact on somebody's life. And we all know those people who have done something. Because you, you think about it, the most meaningful times in your life, the most meaningful people, they probably you probably didn't even realize what they were doing. They didn't realize what they were doing to help you, but it made a huge difference. So we got to pick. Do we want to be collateral damage? Do we want to be tree of life? That's. I can guarantee you we all want to be around trees of life. I, I know for my my children, I have two boys that are six and eight, I am praying for them to to marry a young woman who is a tree of life when it's that time. Somebody that brings life. Now, I can't pray for that for God to bring that person in, into my life, to their lives, and at the same time not actively seek for God to make them into trees of life. And, and, and so that's something for us. Is as much as we want to be around people like that, we need to strive to be those people and know that. You don't even know. Like, and, and for Peter, big, important guy, he takes time to bless Aeneas, you know, to serve this paralytic. He takes time. He could go back to Jerusalem. He goes way out of his way over there to Joppa to, to, to bless and to help Tabitha. I love that. So Peter, as big as he got, you know what? I love what he said when he healed, God used him to heal Aeneas. What did he say? Jesus Christ heals you. He didn't say, be healed. You know, he said, Jesus Christ. He's like, I have failed so many times. It is not me. It is Jesus. I shouldn't be. I denied Christ multiple times. It is about him and what he has done. Look at how he can use you. And as you've got Tabitha, it's a regular person who doesn't seem to have a lot of opportunity to influence much, but she's always doing good and she's always serving the poor and she made a huge difference. And the final thing, what I'm just mentioning now is to understand your life is part of God's global mission of redemption. And that's what we see at the end of these stories. And it's so funny to me as I, like what we pray for our city is that many people would follow Jesus, right? I mean, that's what we want. That's, that's what we want to see happen in San Diego. That's my, my life's work. Say, Lord, I would love to have that sentence that you just read in Acts to be true for our whole city. If that was one thing my life could be about, and it's just so simple. It's, that's the funny thing about Acts, right? It's just these 10 verses, and it's like God brought big revival to both of these communities just through regular stuff. And it's just like routine. That's what I love about Acts, too. That's normal. I would love for our time for that to be normal. You have people going to serve. They're blessing others. And God brought revival. I, I, honestly, in our, our day, if, if God does something like that, that is front page news amongst our church planners. I wish it was more normal to see God move and work like that. And this is, but this is the microcosm of Acts. This is the whole book laid out for you. You have people that find hope and victory in Christ. And they say, Lord, based upon what you've, you've done, I want to serve you. And then God does something way beyond what they could ever imagine or think about. And, and so, you know, early on, as I mentioned before, Peter figured out it was about Jesus. If you guys remember, Peter, when he first had the calling to follow Christ, he had to leave the boats, right, to leave his fisherman gig. And Jesus, what, what some, sometimes people don't realize is when Jesus did that, he'd been, Peter had been fishing all night. If you guys remember, he's really tired, and Jesus just walks up. He's like, just throw your nets over there. He's like, bro, don't you think I did that? We've been fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. But he said, because you say so, Jesus, I'm going to do it. He throws that net 
he catches a lot of fish, a bunch of fish. Some people would say a small portion of fish that he caught. And what does he do? He just leaves all that. He says, that's nothing compared to following Jesus. Why, why would I stick around for just wealth when I can know the creator of the world? And, and he went from this guy who, as I said, a, a middle school girl asked him if he was a follower of Jesus, and he said no. He, couldn't, he wasn't bold enough to do that. And what did Jesus do? He turned him into a lion that stood up and was humble, but said, I will not quit telling people about Jesus. And more than likely, it cost him his life eventually for his faith. But Peter figured out it's not about Peter. It's about Jesus. And Tabitha, she figured it out as well. She invested her life. And just be honest. If you saw Tabitha, the world thought Tabitha was a, was a waste. The world thought she was a nobody. She's just helping these poor people, helping these widows. But I love her legacy. And I love that when she died, there's people fighting for her that love her so much. And what, I, what, I, what stuck out to me when I read this story is when Peter came, they brought all, all these widows, brought all these, these garments that she had made. And they're showing Peter. It's like they're saying, Peter, look what she did. Please help her do something. I just, it made me think, though, what, what is my legacy? And maybe what I would encourage you to think about, what is your legacy? Because here's what's going to happen. You know, I saw this survey one time about all the different ways that people die statistically and the, the final thing that it says is that 100 100 people die <laughs> you know nobody's getting out of here alive that's that's the point it's not like a hallmark moment you won't find that in a greeting card anytime soon hey you're gonna die one day happy birthday you know you're not gonna see that okay it's not not gonna be there but Knowing that, what is our what do we want our legacy to be? And I love that Tabitha had people that were were impacted so greatly by her life. And they had something and she had invested her life in other people. And I just think in our that is so countercultural for us. And social media, I know this is I, like I always joke, I'm trying not to become my dad or sound like my grandpa, but it's really hard, you know. But when I, back, you know, I remember when social media first started and where it is now. So many people are influenced by how many followers they have, right? And if you look at, I do it myself, okay? I look at what someone says and what do you do? You go and see how many followers they have. And if they have more followers, you're like, hmm, they must know what they're talking about. Which is not true. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything. People can get followers doing foolish things sometimes. But our society, we don't, and the funny thing is, more than likely, if we're honest, a lot of those people that are trying to get followers, they don't really care about those people that are following them. They just want numbers. And here's the, the other side of it is true. A lot of people that are following people probably don't even care about them. It's just this transactional society where we just we don't really care about anybody. We just want to use everybody to get whatever we want. And that is an empty way to live. Do not live your life just trying to figure out what makes you happy. Okay, we know that's that's our that's our you know Disney phrase, and I love I love some Disney movies and books and all that kind of stuff. But it's scary to think oh, I just just want to be happy. I want more than happy. I want more than I want meaningful. Because sometimes I think I will like a video game with my kids, or my kids will like a toy, and we'll save for it. And you realize eh, I don't really like it that much. My kid wants to buy this toy now. I'm like, you're not even gonna want that. And I feel like I have to let him buy it one time to learn. It's 15 bucks. I'm like, that is not a cheap toy. 
you know, in this instance, like you better play with it for a long time, because our 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 play or whatever we want, our our preferences change. And so many people are living thinking this is going to make me happy, and you get to the end of your life and it doesn't. So don't invest your life just trying to think about to put you at the center. Invest your life putting Jesus at the center. That's where life is about. And that's what Tabitha did. I love John 3, verse 30. John the Baptist, as Jesus was rising, you know, people would question him. And they're like, some of John the Baptist's followers were like saying, hey, everybody's going to follow Jesus. What do you think about that? And John's like, that's what, that's the point. It's not about me. His word, he says, he must become greater. Jesus must become greater. I must become less. We got to fall. Once again, I'm not John the Baptist. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, I, I, what I would encourage your church is to know, even there were times when Paul, he was trying to go a certain direction and God closed the door. And, and like I said, in Acts, we read about that and we see that and we think, oh, well, it just happens. But that's Paul, okay? That's just not some dude that was praying. God spoke through Paul and did amazing things. So if Paul missed it sometimes, what that tells me, there's times where I'm going to miss it. And it's not because I'm doing anything wrong, but God is guiding us and directing us. And we may go to a door and we think it's, and it's closed and we've got to go around. Or we come to a season where we want this to happen now and the Lord says, you've got to wait. That doesn't mean he's not a good father. We just got to keep blessing, doing, following him and, and doing good and helping other people using our gifts to serve. And it, it, remember, Peter was faithful to serve. Aeneas, he placed his faith in Jesus for hope and victory. Tabitha laid down her life in service. And Jesus brought revival to Lydda and Joppa. He says many, and that's the shortest part of, of, of that passage. As I said, I, I think it was almost unremarkable in in the Acts, right in the New Testament church, for God to do something amazing. As I said, I want it to be unremarkable in our days. And I, I would encourage you to uh, to pray during this time, not only for with COVID, what I have been encouraging our church, my home church, is to say, think about what is God going, what is He changing in your life moving past this season? What is different? Because I was just mentioning to Dan, there's things that I was doing before, I was a little too busy and shutting everything down, I'm not going to jump back and just keep doing the exact same things that I was. I'm going to be more discerning about how I'm serving and what I'm doing. But pray pray for our city to experience, pray for our world to experience revival after this time. I believe it is possible. And so just, just to conclude, just three, three real quick thoughts. One is to, like Aeneas, come to Jesus to find hope and victory through a simple act of prayer. This is, like I said, what's so crazy is we want to do something great and powerful. What Jesus wants you to do is just to invite him. He's already done all the work. That's why pray. people say, Jeremy, literally all I have to do is pray, and you tell me I can spend an eternity in God and he- with God in heaven. I say, yes, because of what Jesus has already done. That's, you just have to receive the gift that he has made available for you. It's, it is a remarkable act, but we don't do it. Jesus does it. That's the point of faith. It's, we're just taking his hand. So if you haven't done that, I encourage you not just to be in church, but to, to find hope and victory, to be a child of God, to be in his family. And if you do know Jesus, be like Peter and Tabitha and serve whatever your gifting is. As I said, it doesn't matter. It's all about Jesus. Do good. Bless other people as you have time, especially those who cannot help themselves. And the poor in those days, they faced a lot of challenges. And Tabitha dedicated her life to that. 
be a person that does that. And finally, remember, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And when you invest your life in that, it, it is way, it's way more. You know, I think about the past 10 years and the things that I've been able to be a part of just because I said yes. I said, yes, I want to be in San Diego. Yes, I want to serve. My wife, you know, both of us coming together to do that has been a lot of fun to see God move and work. And I promise you, with King's Cross, this is an, and a church plant is an amazing opportunity for you to serve. And I know even with Obed and Elena being gone in this time, we, we've talked about it before. This has been an opportunity for your church, all the people in your church to step up. Because if we're honest, sometimes we look at Obed and Elena a little like we look like Peter. We look at Peter. We think, How are we going to do this without Obed and Elena? But the Holy Spirit is still here. He moves and works. Maybe you can't be Obed, but you can be Tabitha. Okay? You can bless other people. And when it's not about you, there's no limit to what Jesus can do to serve and work through you. So just to conclude, I always love to have a final prayer that just kind of sums up um, what, we sp- what we spoke about. So I'm going to kind of guide us through that. Don't feel like you have to say anything out loud, but you can just pray this silently, and then I'll pray for us, and then we can uh, finish. I guess we'll have a couple of worship songs and move forward. So... Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that we don't have to be important, powerful, or influential for you to know us or care about us. We praise you that you aren't deceived by those things, but you see us for who we are. We ask to receive your hope and victory. May that anchor us in you and that your spirit will grow us to reflect and serve you. Use all of our efforts no matter how small or great, and all of our time, no matter how long or short, for your redemptive mission. Lord, we thank, we praise you for how you worked in Aeneas' life. We praise you for how you worked in Peter's life. But today, I really thank you for how you worked in Tabitha's life and how you used her. Because I know I would not, there's so many Tabithas in my life that you have blessed me with. I think about my grandmothers right now, just two people, that have prayed for me every day of my life. Every day of my life, my two grandmothers have always prayed for me. They are, they are Tabithas in my life. And I pray that all of us would be like her and would see people with compassion and we would uh, respond with generosity and kindness because we know that you did that for us. And Father, I know our community is hurting today. Uh, even as people may be smiles on the outside, there may be hurt pain and frustration and I want them to know there is hope and victory in you please reinforce that in them and help help King's Cross Church help us as, an, as a family of churches to be light to those people at Kate Sessions that are just working out or hanging out with their kids or the you know the people that are hanging out on Garnett or Grand Avenue and, and just living their life that they could find hope and victory in Jesus these things we ask in Jesus name Amen